Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Greetings from Toronto, Canada, and happy St. Patrick's Day to you, no matter where you might be listening. It's Wednesday, March 17, 2021, and our team is on Zoom from our homes, as per usual, Javon Shepard, Andy Routens, and our producer, Dan Wong. Everyone is stoked because March Madness gets underway tomorrow with the first four. And then the NCAA tournament starts for real on Friday. The first time in two years as last year's big dance was canceled due to the coronavirus outbreak, which was just at the beginning of its rampage in North America last year at this time. We decided to split up the regions as part of our March Madness preview podcast. And conveniently, each of Shep and AR's old schools are in the tournament. And each team this year is an intriguing story unto itself. So without further ado, let's get a preview of the East region where the Michigan Wolverines are the number one seed from Javon Shepard. You know what? First of all, DG, I, I got to say, and AR, I know you're, you're thinking the same. When I'm looking at the teams and looking at the conferences, I don't know who the hell half of these teams are in, in the conferences. <laughs> like, we were just talking is, about this before the show, this exact thing. Everything is all over the place. But yeah. no, I think it's, you know, it's definitely going to be an amazing tournament just because, you know, a lot of these guys missed out last year, right? And a lot were able to come back to school, especially the seniors were able to come back to school um, and play. And it's definitely a tournament that, you know, AR, you know, like this, this creates a lot of opportunity oh, yeah. for, for guys Like you come into your own, you have a good tournament. You could be, you could be, that could change your life. That could change your family's life. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I'm looking at that Jordan, a big game that I want to, I really want to look at is that UConn Maryland game, right? I've always been a fan of UConn. They've always been, you know, high on my list, just being in the big East, um, you know, defensively, they're one of the, the better teams here, and I think that's going to be one of the things that really, you know, they can hold their hat on. But um, they're also going up against a Maryland team that can really, you know, they can light it up. So I think that's going to be a, an interesting game to really look at um, and, and and take heed to. Uh, they also, UConn also got back their their leaving score, James Wartnight, which is, you know, is going to help them on that end of the floor. So. I don't want to. I don't want to harp on them too much because I know my my Michigan boys are are in the mix. They they came in as a number one seed this year, mm. um, and I'm excited for them, man, because Juwan has done an exceptional job of really getting this team together. Um, you know, he's done a, a great job recruiting guys and bringing guys in, and and even picking up, just picking up where where John Beeline left off at, and and the fact that they're coming into this as a number one seed the first time, uh, the first time that they're going to be a number one seed since. Juwan was a sophomore uh, at Michigan in Ann Arbor. So that's something interesting to look at. And, and they're, you know, they, they started the season 18 and one. Um, and you, you'd think they, they don't have as much momentum going into the into NCAA tournament because they went two and three in their final five games. So uh, it's, 
you know, I, I think they're going to do well. Uh, I, I imagine seeing them in the finals. Uh, that's going to be my prediction. We're, okay. We'll get there later. But partial ass. Um, <laughs> but they also have a big time, you know, Hunter Dickinson, seven-two freshman. Who's you know what I like about him is the fact that he's a center and he plays a center like a true, a, a true center down low. You're not going to see him do much on on the perimeter. Um, he's holding on the team in in points and rebounds and block shots right now. And I like the fact that they play inside outside, man. They have a you know a number of guards on the perimeter that have length, are athletic, um, some some senior, some experienced seniors that are you know playing an important role. But you know a guy like that can really change things because you're you're not going to see many of them at seven two. It's hard you you barely see seven two in the NBA. Um, so really just to have that that impact that that player that can really change a game or be a difference maker in a game is something that's that's special and then you know a sleeper with it's i'm gonna give you guys time as well a sleeper that i i like to look at is is georgetown hoyas and ar you're you're pretty familiar with those guys being being in the big east but um, yeah you know they're a lot different than they used to be <laughs> <laughs> no patrick no, ewing no no, no alan iverson Different Georgetown. But you but know the what? Coach, you see, Patrick is the coach. But you see, so, that right there is the reason why they were overlooked this whole season. Um, and even coming into the Big East, coming into the, the Big East Conference, they were they were voted to finish last um from the pre in the preseason poll by the coaches, which is you know something a lot of those guys, you know, really use as a chip to motivate themselves. And mm-hmm, the fact mm-hmm. that they went into this Big East tournament ran off some unexpected wins, probably one of the most unlikeliest teams to be in the tournament or to come out with the biggest title was something, something special. And I think, you know, where they're concerned, they, they're probably going to be a better rebounding team than most of the teams that we're going to see in the tournament. I think that's going to be a big uh, aspect of, of what allowed them to be successful. Um, and they have a, a Canadian, a Canadian, Javon Blair, who's, you know, out from Brampton. He's their leading scorer. I think yeah, he's able to you. come up. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know you. he's a great. So you know he's a great. He's a great. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, if he's able to come up with some big, uh, some big numbers for this game and really come into his own and show out this tournament, I think they're gonna be, they're gonna be something, something special. And then, yeah, that's they'll be all right. I like them. I like the look of them. Shep, I want to ask you. You 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 bring up uh, Juwan Howard, and for for someone like me who's older than you guys, when you when you bring up Michigan basketball. I immediately think of the Fab Five. Those two mm. unbelievable years. Um, I guess it was 92 and 93. The first year is f- five freshmen. They get to the NCAA championship game. Chris Weber, Jalen Rose, Jawan Howard, Ray Jackson, Jimmy King. Um, I guess my question for you is, while you were there at Michigan, and you were probably there, I guess, after the period where those were um, – they kind of lost credit for those because of some violations. How how much how much did the Fab Five's presence and what they accomplished loom over the program while you were playing there? Was it an ever part ever present part of day to day life? For sure, I think you you lived it, um, or as close as you could to it. And and also, we were still my first year. We were just coming off of um, by the violate the restrictions and the NCAA ban, um, my, I believe it was my freshman year. So, 
we were still, you know, a big part of that or, or you know, the aftermath of it. So it was a constant reminder, one. And two, um, you know, our my senior year, we ended up going to, that was the year we went to the, the NCAA tournament. That was the first time since the Fab Five. So there was always remnants of, you know, the Fab Five and, and what, what they've done and their impact um, looming every day in, day out, right? And that history, um, you can't erase that, right? But you can take away the the awards, the banners, but, you know, the impact that they had across, you know, not just Michigan, not just the university, but a, the whole basketball culture. Everybody's wearing black socks and baggy shorts, mm-hmm. right? So right. I think, you know, just being part of that, that maize and blue, you'll forever be a part of that history and just be associated and identified with it, which was which was great. And the fact that, hey, we that came in under, you know, just one, we're still under restrictions. We could barely recruit. And two, being the, the, the first team to go back to the NCAA since those guys. So you're always a part of it. You're, you're second and third to it, but second and third fiddle to it, but um, always a part of it. And if our, if our listeners haven't seen the 30 for 30 on the Fab Five, it's easily mm-hmm. one of the best documentaries, sports documentaries of all time. Yeah, I mean, that, that sure. you'll, you'll be glued to the TV set with that one. That's a great one. For sure. Totally agree with that. And I was I was glued to my TV set as a very young man in those years. I remember there was a game around the holidays, 91. Duke played Michigan national TV. And that was kind of the coming out party for the Fab Five. Could not have predicted during that game that they would play each other in the NCAA championship game. Um easily one of the most memorable and famous college basketball teams of all time. They were amazing and they dominated at their time. Okay. So we know in the East Shep's got Michigan. Didn't see that coming. Okay. Let's go go over to Andy and let's take a look at the Midwest region. Andy, there's a reason uh, we got you talking about this one. Yes. Yeah. My Q's boys really, you know, kind of snuck into the tournament. I think it was, due to the fact that Duke may have dropped out and the fact that they had some big wins on the back end of their schedule against Clemson and North Carolina, uh, obviously two stellar teams in the ACC. Um, this, this bracket to me, fellas, is the, is the bracket of sleepers. You know, there's a lot of teams in here who, who could run off a dangerous run. They got Houston, um, San Diego State, uh, you know, even, even your mid-majors in Loyola, Chicago and, <clears throat> and Liberty. You know, a lot of teams with great records, but – you know, I think their body of work might show once they get to the tournament and they're playing against a little bit higher caliber teams. But, um, you know, my pick for the final four out of this bracket would be, you know, the Fighting Illini. Um, you know, they're winners of the last seven straight and 14 of their last 15. And arguably, I hate to say it, you know, one of the best conferences in the country in the Big Ten. Um, you know, it features number four, Michigan, <laughs> seven, Ohio State, yeah. eight, Iowa, and number 20, <laughs> Purdue. So I have to give credit where it's due, unfortunately, begrudgingly. But, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're playing, you know, they're playing where they just won the Big Ten title uh, right in their backyard. And they have one of the most dynamic scorers in the country in Ayo Desanmu. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but he's averaging 21, six and better than five assists a game. You know, stellar score, a dynamic, and they have one of the most dynamic big men in college basketball, Kofi Cockburn, at seven feet, two eighty-five. Guys averaging seventeen and ten, and 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 they just look to keep that momentum going. And as you know, Chef, momentum heading into the tournament, you know, can mean everything. Um, you know, some of these teams who are stalled out barely make the tournament. You know, it's 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 nice to carry over those wins and have that confidence about you. 
Um, but I will say my sleeper team for this bracket, I'm going to go with my boys, the Syracuse Orange. They were, like I said, they were fortunate enough to make their tournament, uh, make the tournament. And um, they were one of the last four out, you know, uh, from Joe Lunardi and uh, heading into selection Sunday. But given the fact that those teams did drop out uh, in those late wins, they were able to punch their ticket. Um, but they're going to run into a buzzsaw. They play San Diego State at 23 and four and they're number 16 in the country. You know, they, they've also won 14 straight games, much like the Illini. Uh, but a fun fact, Syracuse is 2-0 and against San Diego State, and I was proudly part of one of those victories. So hopefully <laughs> fortune is in their favor. And, uh, you know, to me, fellas, like a, a team that enters the tournament by surprise, you know, probably is the most dangerous team that you can play yeah. because nobody really counted them to be there. And playing worry-free and without expectations, I think that that makes for a very, very dangerous team. Well, there you have the prediction for the Midwest region. And, you know, no surprise right now, as a group, we have Syracuse and Michigan going to the Final Four. Will I pick Virginia? Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's still to no, be no. no Syracuse in the Final Four for me, Syracuse. boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take, I'll take it, Illinois to the Illinois, Final Four. But yeah, Illinois, yeah. Is a safe, Illinois is a pretty safe bet. You know, safe bet. Andy, let, let, let's talk about your, your time um, at Syracuse in the tournament. You know, Syracuse was a, a, led by you, was a, a very heavy favorite in the 2010 tournament. I think you were a mm-hmm. one seed, maybe one, seed. one overall. Um, and I Duke know one overall. We, we were right. the second one seed. Yep. Got it. And I, I was looking forward to finally that Syracuse Duke Final Four championship. I've uh, always wanted uh, to see that. I, yep. I know. Where was that? Was that 2009? 2010. 2009, 2010. Yep. So, so 2010. I know the loss to Butler in the Sweet 16 still stings. I, I can see it on your face. But w- what are your memories from the first two rounds of that tournament in 2010, when you really did look like the Orange was a team that was going to make it to the Final Four? Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful, man. I, I just remember the, the the weeks leading up to the tournament. You know, we capped off the season with with. Uh, you know, a Big East championship outright at home. We beat St. John's on our home court. We were feeling good. We locked in uh, the Buffalo region. So our fans just had to walk down the street. As you know, there's a heavy presence in New York for all Syracuse. You know, it's felt in the garden. It's felt in Buffalo. It's felt literally anywhere, you know, anywhere in New York State or Florida, <laughs> which is a very strange, you know, a lot of snowbirds down there in Florida. But, uh, you know, being able to play in Buffalo, we played Vermont in the first round. You know, they're, uh, they were always a competitive team. You know, there's one of those mid-majors who always make the tournament and make some noise. Actually, Vermont knocked Syracuse out of the tournament in 2004, I believe. Uh, and that was a huge upset. I remember GMAC was, was, was trying his best to hold down the team. That was uh, the year with Louis McCroft. He was a freshman. Um, the Catamounts always kept the play. That was the year, the year after, after the, the championship. championship right? yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that was, that was massive for them to uh, – so we didn't underestimate them by any means. We came out there. We put a hurting on them. Um, and then we wound up playing Gonzaga in the second round. And uh, I remember how well prepared they were, but we were just that much more prepared. You know, our confidence was at an all-time high. You know, West was playing out of his mind. You know, our chemistry was was really coming together at the right time. Um, and then we just ran into a buzzsaw, man. We, we you know, we, we couldn't get past Butler. They were, they were so well prepared. I know we probably talk about it a lot, but Brad Stevens, you just have to give credit where it's due. And, uh, you know, he scouted each one of us to a T. Uh, you know, Gordon Hayward was obviously, uh, you know, a, a, a candidate for a player of the year in his conference as well as nationally. 
And, you know, Matt Howard, they had all the guys that, that did the intangibles. You know, Ronald Norred was one of the best defenders in the conference. Um, but it's those things to me to this day. You know, I, I know I say that a lot, but it's something that, you know, those those memories of the tournament, man, they stick with you forever. But but as as far as the as the first couple of rounds go, I think we 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 really had a good time. We really had a good time doing it in front of our home fans, too. And it was just a great way to send us off into the rest of the tournament and, and kind of, uh, you know, bid our fans adieu. Well, I'll, I'll tell you that I grew up watching the tournament and dreaming of playing in it one day. So to to hear from you guys who were involved in it at, at such a high level of basketball, it it's truly inspiring. Shep, you played for Michigan as we as discussed in 2009 when they returned to the tournament for the first time in 10 years. And I remember as a 10 seed, you upset Clemson. Um, what amazed me when I look back at that that year's tournament is that not only were you in the same region as Syracuse, but your yeah. team were in the same city in Miami. D- did you and Andy already know each other at, at that point in your lives and in your basketball careers? Yeah, we had played each other. We played with each other by then a couple of times mm-hmm. with the national team. I actually remember we had gotten, I was already looking past Oklahoma um, from the bench. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was already looking past because we had upset Clemson. Um, I still remember, I can't remember the guard's name. I got elbowed and a big gash in my, in my, um, right above my eye. And I said, Whoa, this tournament, this tournament play is different. This style of play is different. <laughs> yeah. Guys are hungry, man. <laughs> Guys are hungry. Yep. Um, but then we had gone on to Oklahoma and, and, and I believe Ryan, we played Ryan Wright, um, you know, another Canadian that was with there. And then Blake Griffin, uh, Taylor Griffin as well. That brother, team, man. Was, that team. Yeah. And Blake Griffin. Blake. Blake was just grab. He like he grabbed. He just did everything he any and everything he wanted to grabbing the rebound off of the uh, defensive rebounds and just taking it the full length of the court. And I'm like, I've never seen anybody this big, this size, this strong. I remember I got into the game like the game was already out of reach. I don't know why Beeline threw me in there. Threw me in there. <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> and I just want to penetrate. I'm, you know, when you're you, I haven't been in that situation before. You go to your default, which is naturally. For me, it would have been AR. It would have been you would have been letting it fly from three. Just that, letting it fly. Your oh yeah, that's your defense. Yep. For me, I'm trying to penetrate to the basket. I get to the basket. Blake Griffin, he jumps up. I can't see anything anymore. I can't see the rim. I can't see the backboard. <laughs> couldn't, get a, couldn't, couldn't get over. That guy was a different breed him. in college too. I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if you saw his, his college highlights. That guy was about 99% from the field because he would just dunk everything. So it's everything. funny. Funny enough, you mentioned that. Because, like, and I, that's – yeah, go ahead. Finish that. Finish no, that. no, finish, finish. I was just going to say, we played them the following – so we played them. They blew us out by, like, 25 points. And that was the game that Blake went up, caught an alley-oop, hit his head on the backboard, and still yes. finished. Yes. And we see Blake running down the floor, clutching his head, you know, kind of, like, checking for blood. Maybe a little bit more exaggerated than, you know, yeah, what yeah, actually yeah. happened. <laughs> But at the end of the day, they showed the replay, and this motherfucker is literally scraping his head against the side of the backboard. I remember and, that. And, I remember and that. that was just like, at, at that point, the game was over. It was already done. So that was to go, that game was to go to the Elite Eight. That was Sweet 16. Elite Eight, right? Yep. In my yep. mind, I was still watching that game. I was like, okay, if we got to Syracuse, Beeline knows um, <laughs> yeah. He knows his team. We're all right. We're gonna. Yeah. We'll, we'll get this done. In my this is in my head. So even when I seen that, you know they blew you guys out. I was convinced 
that we would have still had a chance and we would have been sitting in that elite eight. But no, it's, oh, yeah. you know, those memories there, like. Matchups mean you, everything, you man. Get them. Yeah. Yeah. And OU, they, they were, what, 30 and five on the season. They were a two seed. And they were just dominant, man. I think you forget about Blake Griffin's brother, too. I don't, I don't yeah. even know his name. But he was equally as athletic, equally as a, a threat of a had, scoring. Uh, yeah, yeah and, coffee in the NBA, too. And yeah, then that's right. They had, I think it was, it was uh, Willie. They had Willie Warren. Willie, Willie Warren. Warren was a, was I had pre-draft yeah. workouts with Willie Warren in San Antonio. And he was an elite scorer, man. Elite. Yes. Yeah. I think he's they still playing a, over in China right guard. now, actually. Of course, it would be China. He's a, he's a bucket getter. <laughs> oh, he's yeah. a bucket getter. Yeah. And you know what's funny? Like, DG, you asked about us playing or did we know each other at that time? And and it was actually exciting for me that we were going to, you know, that game I would have stumbled on. I stumbled on Ryan Wright, which he was playing at Oklahoma. And every time mm-hmm. we were, he was at UCLA and we played each other, you know, mm-hmm. it was love to see somebody from back home. I was already excited oh, yeah. to see, you know, AR the following game. And there's always that competitive nature where I got to be the Canadian that wins, regardless of how much yep. you play. I got to yep. come out with the, with the win. For but sure. it's funny you say that because now, you know, you're looking at the tournament and there's like, there's 25 Canadians. You know, yeah, that was, at a time, that was at a time when, it, when the Canadians were just sprinkled. It, sprinkled. it wasn't like this, you know, pipeline to the NCAA yet. It was just, these are the guys that made it. And it's just That's so it. funny that we happen to wind up in the same little small bracket. Yeah. It's really, and if, yeah. If you made it to the NCAA or like a, a major division one, you damn near made it to the NBA. As you far made as how it. everybody as far as everybody received you. Yep, that, that's, what, that's what it felt like for us to, to see yeah. anyone from Canada, someone from Toronto, someone who I, I knew your dad, Andy, to see you guys mm-hmm. uh, get to that level. And yeah, now it, it, it's, it's kind of commonplace now. I, I yeah. love that uh, if Michigan in 2009 gets past Oklahoma, it would have been an all-Canadian It would have been a barn burner, baby. Yeah. Michigan, Syracuse, Shepard versus Routens. One man goes to the Elite Eight. Amazing. <laughs> Guys, let, let's, uh, let's take a look at the West region where my old school, yep. Virginia, resides. By the way, UVA is still the reigning champion off their 2019 win. Mm-hmm. This year is a different story, though, as they had to drop out of their ACC semifinal game with Georgia Tech due to health and safety. It's unclear if the team has practiced or which players might or might not be able to play. And they have a tough first round game against Ohio University, who features a scoring machine named Jason Preston, an NBA prospect, and a guy whose season high 31 points came against Illinois in a 77 75 loss in November. So a tough first round game for Virginia and an even tougher road to the Final Four. I have Gonzaga coming out of the West. They're 26 and 0. They unquestionably have the most talent in the field. Jalen Suggs uh, will be drafted in the top three at worst. I can't see anyone challenging them, not even Iowa or Kansas, who are the two and three seeds. Do, do you guys agree with me that Gonzaga, even with the pressure of, of being undefeated, they're trying to be the first undefeated team to win the championship since Indiana in 76? Do you guys see them getting to the final four? I, you know what? This it's always you want to believe them, but they have a history of of letting you down, and they've had some great teams. But again, like you said, they it's the first team to enter the tournament since 1976. Uh, you know, going 26 and 0 undefeated. I, I actually had an interview with um, Andrew Nemhard this past earlier in the week, and and you know he just gave some insight to the team and said, you know what, this team, 
they trust each other, they pick each mm-hmm. other up. And it sounds cliche. It sounds really cliche. But for a team that's 26, or is it 26 and all right now, a team that's undefeated, mm-hmm. there's some truth to that. Right. Um, you know, it has when, to be. It translates, when, man. It translates. And and he just enjoyed, especially a guy that, you know, he's he won six man of the year in the conference, six man of the year, coming from a situation where he's probably never came off the bench before in his life. So to sacrifice and do that on top of, you know, the fact that, you know, Jalen Suggs, when Coach Few asked him, what do you think about, you know, us bringing in Nemhart? He laughed and said it would be, you know, that would be love. Let's do it. That's coming from mm-hmm. your stud, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who was, who's probably going to, you know, take, could potentially take minutes from you. At that point, you really don't know. That just says a lot about, you know, the, the chemistry and the camaraderie of this team. So I, I think, you know, if I didn't hear that side, I would have said, oh, this is just a regular, you know, bulldog team. Mm-hmm, but just mm-hmm. getting, you know, that perspective says, hey, this, this, this could be, this could be the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, you know, not to keep referencing it, but it does remind me of of that year that we did get the one seed because there were no egos involved. You know, it was all about the next game. It, it didn't matter, you know. Who was the leading scorer? You know, we had great chemistry off the floor, which translated onto the floor. So it reminds me a lot of that. And uh, to me, it's all about if the team can stay away from headlines. Can you stay away from the media yeah. without buying into the hype? Because that can crush you at the end of the day. And, you know, a team that really has its shit together in a time like this, where everything is helter-skelter, you know, guys are on the same page. That goes a long way. You know, a, a lot of distractions right now with COVID. So to me, a team that's put his body of work in and has a solid foundation going into the tournament, I think is a lot better than a team that's, you know, kind of still trying to figure it out, you know, or or dealing with some kind of residual fallout from COVID. So I think they have a best chance as they've ever had this year if they can just stay locked in. This Gonzaga team reminds me of the Syracuse 2003 team. And, okay. You know, Suggs, not a same player as Carmelo Anthony, but – you know, Syracuse, it had been – they had been going for the championship for so long, right? I remember um, the 87 tournament where they get to the Final Four, lose to Indiana in the championship game. It, that was really the beginning of the run for Syracuse, and it was 2003 before they finally win it. Gonzaga, kind of a, a similar odyssey. It's been 20 years since they've been near the top of college basketball. And I just think eventually um, they're going to break through. Okay, let's let's talk about the South region and then let's do our picks. Um, the, the South to me is, is tougher to predict, admittedly, uh, because the only team I've seen play all year is Baylor. That was in the Big 12 tournament where they lost to Oklahoma State and Cade Cunningham, who I also think will be drafted top three. I just can't see a Final Four with Baylor as good as they are. I don't think they have too much competition, though, until the Elite Eight, where I think they will lose to the winner or the survivor of of Ohio State and Arkansas. Both those teams are battle-tested in their conferences, and I'll go out on a limb and make a crazy prediction here. I have freshman guard Moses Moody and Arkansas reaching the final four. My other picks are Illinois, Florida State, Gonzaga, and Arkansas. There's my final four. Wong or write them okay. down. You, got, you guys you guys ready to give us your four? Shep, you it. ready? Let's get it. So I got Gonzaga. I'm, I'm a believer. I'm going to be a believer. I got Baylor. I'm going two number one seeds. I just like how athletic Baylor is, man. They, they always play tough. I got 
Michigan, obviously. Um, where that that I'm not even going to talk about them. We know how I, how I feel about them. <laughs> but I'm just going to do something so so random right now, and I'm going to throw. I'm going to throw San Diego State in there. Wow. Ooh, okay. That okay. That is, not, you San know what, Diego though? State. I'm a Syracuse guy through and through. You know this. But I will say that there is some rhythm to the madness. I think that a team that's dangerous coming in, you know, winners of 14 and 15, like I said, that momentum can carry over. I'll never bet against Syracuse. But if they do happen to get past them, I think they can make a run. Yeah, it's and you and you said earlier, man, that momentum, and I I feel like that's why a lot of the mid majors or low majors, you know, can be upset, have been upset stories in the tournament, is mm-hmm. because they're coming, they're coming out of conference play where mm-hmm. they probably ran off, ran off a couple games, and they have that confidence, and if you have yeah, that yeah. confidence rolling over, that does a lot. That's like a six man on the court. Um, yeah, and again, I think this year more than ever, you need that because there's no fans. There's no For fans, sure. or you're not going to have your the, the base of your home fans to really give you that, that extra push, that extra momentum. So it really has to be okay. Who's the the team that has the most chemistry going into this? The toughest team, and can and can just come together, like you said. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay, Andy, who's your four? Oof. Let's see here. Honestly, I got Gonzaga, Illinois, Baylor, because it's looking pretty. In, in the uh, in the South region there, and and Chef, you're not going to like me for this one, but I'm taking Texas. You know, they they started as one of the best teams in college basketball. Uh, they have a loaded backcourt in Greg Brown and Kai Jones, and outside of Gonzaga, you know, no no team in the country has a better inside out balance for for in my opinion. Um, I do have a sleeper team though. I like USC. The Trojans are 22 and seven, and they finished second in the Pac East, uh, the Pac 12. Sorry. Um, I think they have a, a beautiful blend of, of youth and experience, which, as you know, is is probably one of the most dangerous confidence heading into the tournament. Um, and they have one of the most heralded players in the country in, in Evan Mobley. Seven-footer is mobile, averaging 16-8 and almost three blocks a game. So you're definitely going to see him uh, for years to come. He's number two on the NBA draft.net boards right now. So I think anybody with that caliber of a player, much like Jalen Suggs and Gonzaga, you have a chance to run the table. Great stuff, guys. O- overall, I have Gonzaga winning it. Andy, who you got? Man, uh, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Illinois. I'm gonna take Illinois just because I'm representing my region. And Shep, I'm taking. I'm taking Michigan. Okay, <laughs> naturally. <laughs> naturally. You heard it here oh, first. And uh, we, I think, I think we'd be remiss not to give a huge shout out to Patrick Ewing Jr. Obviously, because I think it's good for business, uh, <laughs> but. No, he's our lead assistant coach with the Ottawa Blackjacks, and he led his they led his team to uh, an incredible run to win the Big East Tournament Championship. They smashed Creighton seventy three to forty eight, and uh, this was a team, like I said, heading into the tournament that didn't look like they would have a chance, but they pulled it out. No thanks to uh, the Ewing boys. So huge shout out to Pat, and uh, we're looking forward to this summer, my guy. Nice. Hopefully, they, yeah. hopefully they know they know both of them in um, Pat Senior and Pat Junior in Madison Square Garden. Now, <laughs> oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> They're going to need to know them in Ottawa, too. That's right. Ottawa Blackjacks have a powerhouse front office and a powerhouse coaching staff. Can't wait for CEBL. Everyone, enjoy the tournament. Good luck in your office pools or your online pools, however you're playing it. 
Let's move on to the NBA. Uh, the featured game in the league on Tuesday saw the Utah Jazz go into Boston and beat the Celtics 117-109. Um, Shep, let's start it with you. Does, does that result, does this game tell us anything about either team? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Turn on your mic, Shep. Yeah, shit, yeah. Yeah. Uh... Not really. I think, you know, where these teams are concerned, we're, we're, we, we know what we're getting with them now, right? And we're hitting the stride uh, midway through the season, and, and everybody's coming to their own. So I don't think it mean much, means much. I think when you're getting into that, that third quarter of the season is where we're really going to get to see who's who and what's what. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it changes much. I think, we, I think we know who the Celtics are, and I think that their season is largely contingent upon the trade deadline and what happens there. Um, you know, at the end of the day, though, I think their superstars aren't getting the help they need. Granted, you know, I don't think they're showing up like they should either. So it's kind of a, a catch-22. And, and there's a lot of talk right now. Brad Stevens, you know, the, the IU job just opened up in college basketball. and There's a lot of chatter about, you know, uh, him maybe taking that job. So I do see a lot of uh, – a lot of disassociation in the locker room. I don't think there's that chemistry there that that really needs to be heading into the latter part of the season. Um, you know, guys just aren't aren't they aren't the Boston Celtics that that we expected them to be. So, um, like I said, this trade deadline is going to mean everything to them, and we'll see what kind of moves Danny Ainge has up his sleeve. I also don't see a superstar. Like I, I see stars. I see you know, Tatum being you know a really good piece, probably the the superstar of this team, but. I don't see like these guys were young before. Uh, they didn't really contest much, contest Brad Stevens much. But now they've all come to their own. They have their own identities. They are, you know, impact players. It's harder to manage those characters now that they're they have their own personalities. They found their way in the league. So I think you know, like Ar said, a lot. You know, this this um, trade deadline could could mean much. But it's I think they're just they've just grown out of. The, the the mentorship and, and the coaching of Brad Stevens, so to say. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, um, you know, Jalen and Jason are you know twenty four and twenty three respectively. So I think that you know we expect so much of these guys at such a young age, and obviously, like we think that we've seen their ceiling, but I don't even think they've come close to touching that yet. You know, I think they have that 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 star power, but I don't know if they're at the superstar level like you said yet, Shep. But I think yeah. there is some room still left for them to grow into that. Um, and, and a, a lot of that is largely based on who's surrounding your team, how, how guys can help you get to that point. With, I don't know one that superstar being, that hasn't had a supporting cast. With that being said, right, do you come into your own in the same environment? Do you think they can reach that ceiling being in the great. same environment? Or That's a great question. Do you have to change environment to, to get there? Whether it be Because sometimes, whether sometimes it be you, you may feel – yeah, you may feel limited by – you know, the coaching or the organization, but I think they've given them a range. I think that, I think that they've had enough time to show that they, 
that, you know, they are deserving of, of the treatment that they've been getting there. But at the same time, you know, you, you shake up the scenery a little bit, you bring in a new coach, you know, maybe change up, you know, Danny Ainge gets out of there, you know, who knows what could happen. You're seeing that right now in the Atlanta Hawks, you know, Lloyd Pierce is fired. Yes. Yep. And they just, they, yep. They and they just rattled off about five in a row. So five you know, in a row. the locker room does matter. I, I was also thinking when I'm, when I'm talking about changing scenery, changing environment and hitting that ceiling, it also re reminds me of T-Mac. Like, yeah. Does T-Mac become the Tracy McGrady we know if he, if he doesn't leave Toronto or. Right. We saw so flashes of T-Mac in Toronto. We saw he, was, he was definitely not given the amount of time that Jalen Green and Jason, Jason Tatum have, have been given right. to this point. But a change of scenery did let T-Mac become T-Mac. So you're, that's yeah. a great point. Yeah. Well, so, some of the issues, I think, with Boston center around their depth. You know, they, they mm -hmm. lose Gordon mm -hmm. Hayward. Um, then injuries hit and Marcus Smart misses some games. They get Marcus Smart back. They start looking better. Tristan Thompson goes out of the lineup. And again, they, they look like they don't have, have the pieces. Whereas Utah, who to me is, is one of the bigger stories in the league this year, they just simply have the depth. And it, it starts with Jordan Clarkson, probably the runaway favorite for the sixth man. What, what, one thing also that really stood out for me in that game, that the Jazz were 19 of 43 from three. Uh, Boston was nowhere near that. And just... Yeah. You know, taking 43 three-point shots in a game, which is now the norm, it's just unbelievable. That That's the sport now. But if you're going to hit 19 of those, you know, the other team better have their their best three-point three shooting game of, of the season. But I don't know if Boston uh, would have been able to match that. Guys, the, the 76ers – sorry, yeah, you want to go? No, it's funny that we talk about depth because I think winning solves all of that. When you're looking at this Utah roster – Based on just names alone, I don't they they don't have much depth. But because they've become winners, we assume so. When you're looking at AR, a guy like Royce O'Neal, that's the guy that was in playing in Germany, uh, yeah. maybe like three years ago. And I actually, if no, I might be don't mis, uh, don't quote me. But he's he is like a Brad Wanamaker. He's like a Brad Wanamaker on Boston. He's he's the right. exact same role player. Yeah, Jordan Clarkson. He he's been you know a guy that was. You know, immature, um, or quote unquote, had seemed to be immature and couldn't really put it together on the court. Mm -hmm. Now we're talking about him as, you know, depth to this team and and six man of the year. Like that's, I think, winning solves all of that. Well, and the Jazz have a lot of parts, and uh, they they've definitely been winning. They have the best record in the league. Um, Jim Rats and Joints is sponsored by Henderson Brewery in Toronto. The best beer is the beer you love. Let's do some hashtag T-D-I-T-R-H. This date in Toronto Raptors history, I know I was there. March 17, 2016, five years ago, the Raptors beat the Indiana Pacers in Indy 101-94 in overtime in what turns out to be a preview of the coming first-round playoff series. DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry each scored 28 points. But in a starting role, Bismack Biombo scores 16 and grabs a team record 25 rebounds. That was Biz's best game as a Raptor, although he would have many amazing moments in the playoffs, including an insane block shot on LeBron, which of course was called a foul. Other starters for the Raptors in that game were Norman Powell and Louis Scola. 
This has been This Date in Toronto Raptors History. I know I was there. Check it out on Twitter at hashtag TDITRH. And of course, our handle for the podcast at Jim Rats Podcast. Okay, back to present day NBA stuff. The 76ers without Joel Embiid edge the Knicks 99-96 at home. Tobias Harris scores 30 and tells the world he's an all-star. How long, Andy, can the Sixers stay in first with Embiid on the shelf? I think they I think they can make a run at staying first. I'm not I'm not too concerned about them dropping off or falling off without Joel. And and unfortunately it's it's only a bone bruise so he'll, he'll only be out a couple weeks. It looked a lot nastier than it was. I remember texting the group when it happened, you know, being really concerned that you know, a seven foot, you know, two hundred and fifty pound guy coming down like that, you know, clutching his knee is never a good look. The amount of pressure exerted on, on knees when you land, it's it's a scary sight. So to see one of the toughest guys in the league go down like that was was concerning for sure. But fortunately, he got some good news. And, you know, Ben Simmons is, is an all-star for a reason. I mean, he's he's capable of carrying this team. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the league. I'm going to go with the exact opposite sentiment of that Wizards reporter saying he's the most overrated. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the league for all the things that he can do. He's one of the most dynamic defenders. He can guard one through five. He can score a will in transition. He's he's got great court vision, um, and I think he'd be able to carry the load. Tobias Harris, he's he's a great regular season player. I don't think he shows up in the playoffs. I think he's he's been he's made that very well aware the past couple of years. I don't think he's 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 a little bit overrated in my opinion, and for for his contract. But at the end of the day, I think that those two guys can can help sustain the winning you know uh, atmosphere there. You know until Joel gets back and. Um, hopefully they'll be healthy enough heading into the playoffs. I think, you know, it may be tough. Uh, it can go either way because if you're looking at the schedule, they have the Bucks up next, which which will be a tough one. And, and they, you know, following that, they have Sacramento and the Knicks again. So if they can, if they can come out with two of the next three um, and that, buys and beats some time i think they're in a position to just hold on to that number one seat because things don't get any prettier after that with you know the warriors and the lakers and then the clippers and nuggets coming in right so if they can hold off if they, if they can win two of the next three um hmm. and tonight will be a tough one starting with the bucks then they're in a position to just get back their stride but and i think again too you have to factor in you know and beat is a, like you said ar he's you know a big load like a heavier load mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the time off is how 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 long is it going to take for him to get back into rhythm uh, once he gets back from from this injury, right? So and, and like you said, fortunately it's just a bone bruise. It it looked a little uh, worse than it was, but um, you know. I mean, I think we're forgetting about they got Dwight Howard still too. I mean, he was on yeah, the championship yep. team last year, yeah, so like yeah. he's easily forgettable on a team that has an MVP candidate like Joel Embiid. But I think he's more than capable of stepping. Obviously. You can't replace his his scoring factor. But as far as staying steady on the defensive end, I think that they'll be just fine. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Sixers are going to be fine. To oh, me, yeah. it's more a question of, Shep, you bring the, the strength of schedule, and they have a tough schedule coming up. But when's Durant going to be back? The Nets are already winning almost every game without him, and they really become a jug, juggernaut if and when uh, Durant gets back into that lineup. Really what stood out for me in, in that Philadelphia game was the Knicks. I mean, feisty, scrappy, 
are they are are is this the real Knicks? Are they going to hover around five hundred all year and and therefore be a playoff team? I think so, man. I th- I'm a believer. I'm a believer in how Tibbs has this team playing. Right? They're just they're tough, they're gritty, and they just they seem like they play well together. Right? They're not going to always be the the best offensive team. Uh, that's clear. But on the defensive end, they gain themselves a couple more possessions. Uh, just just how they how they play, and you know you have guys diving on on the floor, and I think with Julius Randle um, being that the catalyst to this team, he's really stepped up into that into that role, right? I think that alleviates some of the pressure off of a guy like RJ who's come in, and and you mm-hmm. know people had him as you know the, the Canadian Mamba and, and so forth, but you know Randle's really taken the load on his shoulders and and alleviated some of that, allowing him now to play like. He's playing some of the best basketball he's played. Yeah. I think, yeah, with guys coming into and understanding the system and the tips holding everybody accountable, it's no more, hey, this is just going to be, you know, a cakewalk and a walkthrough. Guys aren't just going to come into the game and try and get buckets. It's work hard mm-hmm. nose, right? Dive mm-hmm. on the floor, uh, get 50-50 balls, and, and just play tough. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're not the most talented team. Um, people probably didn't even expect them to to do this much, but I think, you know, the, the, the New York fans, New York enthusiasts, and NBA in a whole always had expectations for them to be the Knicks of the past. They had talent in the past. Now, at least you can give them credit and appreciate them for how hard and how tough they play. 100%. I couldn't agree more. They're, they're, they're definitely shifting the culture there in New York. I think New York fans have something to be excited about for, for Tibbs to bring the team to fourth in the Eastern Conference after the All-Star break in his first year is really impressive. And like you said, RJ's coming into his own right now. He's averaging 17 points a game. Uh, you know, the scoring is, is well diversified on this team. And, and obviously they have a star and uh, Julius Randle. But you're seeing guys emerge like Emmanuel quickly. Oh, he's, he's coming out. You know, he's really showing that he's, he's, a, he's a high level, high caliber guard. And I think he's going to be an all-star for years to come. So the Knicks have a lot to be excited about. And I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if they continue to waver. You know, a couple wins here, loss, loss, couple wins there. I think once that, you know, they get a little bit more time together, Tibbs really gets things smoothed out, that they're going to be a team to beat in the future. Or they're, they're going to be a team to watch in the future for sure. Shows you how much impact a coach can have, especially a coach mm-hmm. like like Tibbs, who's, you know, I don't know if he'll win coach of the year, but he's he's going to be in the running, especially if the Knicks uh, get to the playoffs. He's not a media favorite. He's a, he's a player favorite. That's what Tibbs is. You know, okay. he's, he's 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 highly criticized in the, in the media yeah. for running guys into the ground. But, you know, yes. I don't think a guy with shredded knees like D Rose would go back to New York to play for Tibbs if that was the case. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. And, mm-hmm. you know, Jimmy Butler played a lot of minutes for Tibbs for a couple yep. of years in Chicago. And yep. I don't know how much how much time they spent together in Minnesota. But you've never heard Jimmy Butler say anything against against Tibbs. Mm-hmm. Guys, da- Damian Lillard, who seemingly comes up every time we talk uh drops a 50 and 10 leave, leave me alone fellas don't on, start with me <laughs> <laughs> mvp 50 and 10 on the pelicans hits the winning free throws the blazers hang on for a one point win 125 124 what an awesome game that was mccollum is back from injury they're seven games over 500 they've won some big playoff rounds before can this Portland team make some noise in the West? Can they climb into that top four? Thought? I hope so. 
I, I hope so. I, you know, you guys can put me to rest there. And I think Dame has done everything Dame can do, man. And I, I, I think now that you have, you know, your running mate back, you can, you know, allow him to get to, once he gets his rhythm, they're in a position for striking distance, right? Now, I think they're always going to do well in the regular season. For me, it's what are they going to do in the playoffs? Because I want, I want to see these guys, you know, I want to see these guys be successful, right? They don't, they, they're not, you know, one of the, one of the super teams, like, you know, some of the other teams we see in the East, the other teams we see in the West. So you just want to see them turn that corner. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're still sitting at six in, in in the West right now at 23 and 16. Dame is obviously putting the load on his back for this team. Um, CJ came back. He's looking a little bit shaky, obviously, with some time off. That's going to happen. But once he finds his rhythm, you know, they're going to get back to being that dynamic duo and, and giving teams fits. But, you know, they still don't have Nurkic either. So they're doing this without a real real paint presence. You know, Ennis Cantor is a nice stand-in, but he's certainly not your go-to guy in your front court. So I think once they get back to full strength, they'll make a huge run. They'll probably eclipse Denver in the next coming weeks wow. once everybody gets healthy. And, uh, and and I'd like to see them. I'd like to see them make that run. I don't think any team is more deserving, or any individual player is more deserving of, of uh, a playoff advancement, Western Conference Final, than the Blazers and, and Dame Lillard. Well, there there you go. We're in agreement. The Blazers are definitely a, an X factor in the Western Conference regular season and playoffs, and it starts with Dame Lillard. Mm-hmm. Guys, we're, we're one week closer to trade deadline. And other than the rumor mill itself, it's been pretty quiet. One week from now, though, we'll have the full picture of any transactions. What what teams to you stand out as a buyer or a seller? We just talked about the Knicks. Are are the Knicks going to make a move and, and make a playoff push? Who who are some players that you think could be available? You know what? I think because the rumors, rumor mill has been so quiet, it's it's really hard to say on my end, right? I think a lot of teams, just because of how the season has played out, how last season's played out, everybody's being cautious in how they approach this thing and just, hey, really, may, we may even see minimal moves until the end of the season where teams can really get to uh, structure and identify what direction they want to go in. Because I think I, I, in my opinion, I think they didn't. Teams didn't make the coaching changes that they wanted to this past season because of such, such a short window. But when you when you're able to first, you know, identify the coach that you want to go with, switch up your, your the structure of the team, uh, or the direction of the team or style of play, then you can start to plug those holes with players. So I don't think there's going to be much moves this um, this trade deadline, and there's definitely not going to be any blockbuster blockbuster moves. Uh, I think it's more it's one of those things. Teams are Let's get through the season. Let's get through the season healthy. Let's get through the mm-hmm. season safe and then really hone in on, hey, are we making changes up top, front office, coaches, and then locking on, on some players? Mm. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too many Instagram headlines here. You know, uh, uh, you know I think that this quarantine is making a lot of people bored, but I think, I think maybe the opposite. I think maybe we could see some, you know, volatile market movement. I, I think, you know, especially considering – Let's start with the raps. I mean, Norman Powell is have he's having one of the best stretches of his career right now. He's averaging twenty-four on fifty-two percent shooting and forty-five and three, which which for Norm is, is incredible. And over the last six games, he's averaged twenty-eight. So I mean, this is painting a huge target on his back for free agent or uh, for this trade deadline. Um, and I, at the at this rate, he's definitely playing his way out of his eleven million dollar contract. And I think that in the next coming years, he could probably seek out maybe eighteen to twenty on his next deal. So. 
he seems to be the most obvious choice on the Raptors to trade for assets uh, or, or another piece to this puzzle for the Raptors heading into the playoffs. Um, another guy I'm keeping my, you know, there's a couple more situations. I, I like Vic Oladipo getting out of Houston. I think Miami and New York have, have emerged as the top destinations for Vic. You know, at 28, he's definitely not the same player he was before, having ruptured his quad. But he's still averaging 20 points per game. So, I mean, he, he, he's definitely still got a lot left in the tank. He turned down a $45 million extension with Houston, so you know he's looking to hit the market. Um, and then the Pelicans. The Pelicans have a, a slew of guys. You know, they're, they're very guard-heavy. Um, Lonzo Ball, J.J. Redick, and Eric Bledsoe each individually have been mentioned on the market. Um, and these guys are, are individually, I think they could pull a bunch of pieces, you know, with each individual trade, you know, so, you know, JJ's injuries and, and his $13 million dollar a year deal, you know, makes him a little bit difficult to trade, but he's still shooting 47% from the field. So like JJ is going to be JJ, you know, he can help any team win. You might look to get to a contender. Um, Lonzo's having one of the best stretches of his career as well. He's shooting 40% from three, which who, who the fuck would have thought that, right? You know, he's, he's really he's really improved his outside shooting, and I think he's taken a little bit of a chip on his shoulder uh, for all the attention that his brother's getting. You know, Stephen A. coming out and saying that he's the player that we expected Lonzo to be, which is which is blasphemous. I don't think you can pit brothers against each other like that. But, um, you know, Bledsoe's lackluster performances in the playoffs the last couple of years, as we've been witness to, I think that a lot of guys don't see him as, as, as a piece for a contender. Or, or, you know, I think that, it's going to be hard to move him, uh, but you know we'll see what happens. And I think there's going to be a lot of teams who are who are uh, who are looking for for a veteran savvy point guard. So so we'll see. Um, and, and as of right now, don't forget about Boston being a buyer because they offloaded that 120 million dollar contract in Gordon Hayward. So I think that this could be one of the surprise teams in the trade deadline. And I think they can make some major moves to kind of secure. Uh, and surround their superstars with guys, uh, uh, you know, to make a playoff push. But highly unlikely. But at the end of the day, I think that they're going to benefit the most from this trade. Hey, the NBA moves so fast. When you're when you're quick. listing off some of those names, Victor yeah. Oladipo, Bledsoe, I'm thinking, what this this is a quick turnaround. Like these guys were just yeah. stars, and now I remember when Bledsoe signed his big deal, and everybody was like, "Yeah, he's nice. He's the next one. He's the real deal." Um, yeah. He's a real deal. And now these guys are, you know, we're, we're in conversations of becoming NBA journeyman. When you're looking at D yep. Rose, you know, he's bounced around. Now he's over. I, I, you know, his story's a little different with injuries and so forth. But, sure. you know. But once you get a huge rust. deal like Bledsoe did in Milwaukee and then you trade him, you know, a, a year into it, it's like there has to be yeah, something wrong with that team. Yeah, yeah. It's father time and NBA moves so fast. Like the turnaround is so quick. When you're even looking at a guy like Russ, like – He's oh, yeah. on OKC, Houston, now MVP. What is that? MVP. Yeah. And now his time is kind of has come and gone almost in it's terms come. of being, so, yeah. he wasn't in the All-Star game. It was weird. Okay, yeah. so that right there, you said it, that's what I'm scared of for Dame Lillard. Like that right there is what I'm scared of, is that now you become, you know, a has-been, but, or could have and didn't. Like I'm terrified for Dame because – that's the only thing I worry about with Dane. Well, I think in Dane terms of winning, years years ahead of him still, especially if he stays in Portland. I mean, he's he's the face of the franchise. He he could have, you know, like a a Kyle Lowry run there, or or even better. You're right. There there needs to be a championship. Okay, but even in that, for, okay, for Kyle, we're talking about Kyle and what he's done. When Kyle, when they went on that championship run, Kyle had to take a back seat to Lowry, to um. Mm-hmm. 
to Kawhi. Yeah, but Kyle so was, was one of the top five scorers in the NBA. Still less of a load. Like Dame a is doing it himself. That, different to carry thing. that weight, you have a short window, regardless of what we think. Father time is is one thing, and that that workload is another. Like it's it's a lot to bear, and you have a short window to get it done. Otherwise, you, it things turn around. Like we can't we can debate all we want, but the body breaks down. You put you put Kawhi Leonard on the Portland Trailblazers next year, and and they're competing for you know they're competing for the championship with with, with Lillard and and Kawhi. But I mean it's, you know you're Kawhi's right. Falling off. Oh. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fucking hot take I don't, I don't know about that I don't know I, I, I've, I've been seeing Kawhi put more people in the rim this season than any season past I, I so, mean okay. I, I'm sticking with Kawhi think, are, I'm on Kawhi God side guy did he have his, his best years in Toronto or I shouldn't say best years but do you think he, he had a better year he's having a better year now than he did regular season yeah regular season for sure He's better. His the numbers are better, and he's impacting that team more. You know, with, with the Raptors that year, I think they were seven numbers. I don't. I don't think he. Out. I don't think he impacted the team more. I think his numbers are better. But as with far Kawhi, as the impact, with Toronto, it was all about the playoffs. That's where he I, really, you know, impacted the team more than than anywhere. You but, know what's weird is that I, in Toronto, I barely heard Kawhi in the media, but. Since he's been in L.A., I've heard him come out a couple times. He made a statement piece the other day saying he's very concerned about the inconsistency with the L.A. Clippers at this point in time heading into the latter stretch of the season. So I think in Toronto, he didn't have to worry about anything but playing. I think in L.A., he's got this massive contract. You know, you have a coach who maybe isn't as structured as a Nick Nurse. He feels like maybe he needs to take on more responsibility. Um, And we're just seeing, you know, a, a different side of Kawhi right now. but. You know, it's not to say that he doesn't have left in the tank. Like I said, he's been playing above the rim, which, you know, a guy for, you know, who has knee problems, he had sat out a lot of, you know, he, he coined the term load management for a reason. But to see him playing at this level, uh, even still after the fact and taking less games off than he did in Toronto, you know, I think we're seeing, uh, you know, his, his, his longevity, longevity may be decreasing as we go. Was it Kawhi who coined that term? It, it might have been it might have been a, a byproduct, but I think it was the great <laughs> Alex McKechnie who coined yeah, the term McKechnie. load management. Shout out, Alex. We love you, buddy. I, I got to get Alex on the pod. I hear you do a great sure. impression of Alex. Uh, yeah, it, it's it, it takes a couple of drinks to get there, but <laughs> yeah, once we get him on the show, I'll, I'll take it out for sure. Uh, amazing. And, uh, you know, Andy, what, one last thing before we, we wrap it up, and I think we got it. We got to talk Raptors, and you you raise it with with Norman Powell being on the on the trading block, potentially. You know, I, I've I've talked about this before. After 2019, they lose two free agents, Kawhi and Danny Green. After 2020, they lose two free agents, Mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka. Now, at the end of 21, again, you're looking at a, a potential for Kyle Lowry and Norman Powell to be free agents and to potentially walk. Um, the Raptors fought back from that two and eight start. They were at 500 COVID hit and now they're five games under 500. There's still room and time and space to make a playoff run. But really in these, in this next week, you have to make a decision. And it, it does seem like Powell has a bit more fire in the trade market right now than Lowry. You know, he's a younger player. He's just coming into his prime now. 
what what is what is the Raptors position right now? Should they be looking to to trade Norm Powell or should they be looking to potentially bring in a Victor Oladipo, um, a LaMarcus Aldridge or, or somebody who could actually help them potentially compete in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. It, it's really tough to say. I think there's I think there's so many ways to look at it. You know, is, is keeping the core together, you know, from the championship team, a good idea is is shipping Norm out at his peak to get the most you can get back from him at this point in time, the right move, you know, is, is shopping Kyle Lowry. It's very ambiguous. Everything's up in the air right now. I think only the only people privy to knowing that are, are, are Bobby Webster and, and, and Masai Ujiri right now. So I have all the faith in the world that they're going to do what's best for the organization. Um, you know, it's certainly not the championship team that it was. So I think that in my opinion, I would probably go for, for more pieces at this point in time. You know, I don't think I would expect to get uh, 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 a championship roster out of a Norman Powell trade, but you certainly could get some pieces. Uh, there's a lot of guys floating around on the market right now, especially on the front court, that I think could help the Raptors make a playoff push and solidify that 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 front court. But, um, you know, I think either way they're going to be fine. I think either way they're going to they're gonna make the right decision. Um, but they do have to make a move. I'm, I'm, I'm confident that they have to make a move by the deadline. You're right. I, I would think if they're going to make a move, um, you have to get some presence down low. I don't know if, you know, giving up Norm Powell in, in, at the peak, and his peak is, is the right move um, because I do think he has some loyalty. And I, I think, you know, with Fred signing back, that gave Norm some confidence in saying, hey, like, let's this is a guy I, I grew up with in the league and we rock together. Mm-hmm. I think there's an attachment there. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think before you even make a move, this team has to get healthy. I don't know at what point in this season we've seen them at full capacity. Uh, and that's including coaches, right? We've had a whole coaching staff get wiped out. So mm-hmm. I still think, you know, this team has battled a lot of adversity uh, this this season. And it, it's reflected in the their results, right? And it's a quick turnaround, man. Like just, you know, a couple weeks ago or not even a couple weeks ago, a couple games ago, this team was, you know, knocking at a top four team and then coaches go, players go, and you're looking at, you're sitting in 11th. Now, with that being said, that can happen to any other team in the NBA tomorrow, right? And, then and it has. Can... It's happened in Miami a little bit. Right. So at any point, like if, this is a tough season to measure because there's so many, there's so many moving pieces, there's so many variables. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a lot, I think a lot is inevitable. So if but I'm going to make I mean, a move right now, I need to be getting yeah. a, a big that can really, that is going to be dominant for, for, from, for some years to come, because what we have mm-hmm. right now isn't really, you know, impactful. You have a guy, Henry Ellison, that's coming from the G league, the Raptors, Donald yeah. five team that's paying, playing more minutes than, than, um, you know, your, your guys up front right now. So. That, no disrespect to, guy. to Henry Ellenson. No, not at all. He was not at all. balling in the G League, but <laughs> I, I, I share the same sentiments. I mean, he's not a guy that's gonna that's gonna bolster your roster for, for a championship right. run, especially when there's guys on the market like Aaron Gordon, you know, Andre Drummond, maybe even a JaVale McGee. You know, so I think that I think that they have to use this ticket to bolster their front court if they want any chance. Because if you're looking at it right now, Henry Ellenson, DeAndre Bembry, uh, I mean. Yuta, like who, who is playing in the paint right now? Aaron Baines obviously is, is not a focal point as they moved him around in the beginning of the season and, and they had great success with him playing less minutes. So I think that that is a huge area of concern for him. No disrespect to Henry, but. So does, 
does your do you think your rookies have any value? Does a Malachi Flynn have value? I don't know that he does. I don't know that he does. I think he's one you keep and you and you and you really grow him into this system as they did Fred. Because I see a lot of Fred and Malachi, and I could see them being the new Kyle and Fred down the line. So with that being said, that may that may suggest to other teams that he has some value because I think right now with you know the, the, the Raptors coaches being spread out across the across the NBA and teams trusting the NBA, they may look at Malachi as like, hey, they know something we don't. But I think Let's the Raptors know that, it. and I don't think they want to okay. give up that piece because the Raptors okay. are known Fair. for developing guys. They see something in guys, they develop them, and look at Fred now. You know, four years, eighty mil and falling. So yeah, hard hard to see Malachi Flynn being a a centerpiece of a trade, maybe as a throw in for a contract, but yeah. that that's that's not an impact player at least. Was he two years away from being two years away? He, he, I don't think you're going to see much from that player maybe until not the year after next. So the, the decision for the Raptors is what do you do right now? I think they have one week to make up their minds to signal one way or another we're trying to be a playoff team this year or we're starting to look towards the future. And I, I do, I, I think, Andy, I think you said it. It's it, I don't know if that decision has been made. I'm sure we will know better within the week. That's going to wrap this episode of Gym Rats and Joints. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We're on social media at Gym Rats Podcast. Thank you to our producer extraordinaire, Dan Wong. Follow him on social at Dan Wong Says. You can follow Javon Shepard on social at Javon Shepard. Andy Routens is on Instagram at Andy Routens. I'm Dan Gladman, and you can find me on social at DG on the road. Happy March Madness. Enjoy all the endless basketball that's to come, and check in with us again next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.